are thankful for you. I am thankful. I didn't get to grow up in church as a young person. I was blessed with the young people kind of moving my direction this morning. And I am thankful for our young, our young people and thankful for the families that we get to worship with every Sunday. I didn't have that as a kid. And when you don't have something, you learn to appreciate what you do have. And I hope this morning you are in the spirit of Thanksgiving. When I mention that word Thanksgiving, what comes to your mind automatically? What first pops into your mind? Well, probably because it's the month of November, uh, this next image is kind of what's already popping in your brain. You're already thinking about the holiday spread. You're thinking about grandma's favorite recipe. Or maybe you're thinking about something you hope somebody doesn't bring back this year they brought last year. But you're thinking of all the vittles. You're thinking of the turkey and the pumpkin pie. And obviously you're thinking of what? The bluebell ice cream, right? That's how you get a spirit of Thanksgiving. Now this year, check this out. Another flavor as if I needed another flavor to struggle with, right? They have one this year, Christmas cookies, bluebell. Come on now. Does God not love you on this planet? Come on now. That is Thanksgiving. Or is it? Now context is everything. Because I said the word Thanksgiving in the month of November, those are some of the images that pop into our head. If I had said the word Thanksgiving in the month of February, you probably wouldn't be thinking about turkey or, or dressing or mashed potatoes and gravy. You probably would think of what we should think of, the giving of thanks. And I think the enemy of our joy and the enemy of our soul loves to rob us of the issues of Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, now it's not even about the turkey and the pumpkin. Now for this generation, it's about Black Friday. Come on now, that's Thanksgiving. It ushers in Black Friday. And already we get hit in our feeds, all the different specials that are coming our way, all the Black Friday deals we can't live without, and we have lost the spirit of Thanksgiving. Well, don't let it just happen the month of November. It can happen each and every month of the year if we're not careful. So I want us to go back, and as we've looked at this sermon series on twisted scriptures, scriptures that we may not fully understand or have been mistaught, let's think about the scriptures that teach us about Thanksgiving. If you have your Bibles today, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. As you're turning there, as I said earlier, the enemy loves to rob us of the attitude of gratitude. As a result, we have a tendency to live more like Eeyore than we do Winnie the Pooh. We have a tendency to live life like the screen here with the big frown and the big grumpies. Well, they tell us that physiologically, it takes way more effort to frown than it does to smile. I think they say it's 17 muscles are used uh, for a smile. 43 different muscles to get a face like Eeyore. And while it is more energy exerted to live a life of ingratitude, it is so much easier to go there than it is to have a heart of thanksgiving. So Paul instructs the church, and we'll see it many times throughout his epistles, and now in 1 Thessalonians, look at this. He says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, as you read that verse, that may be an easy verse for you to grasp today. Maybe today, it's very easy for you to be thankful. Maybe today, things are going well. Uh, all is going just as you like for it to be, and life is smooth, and it's easy to be thankful. I promise you, though, there are many in this space, many who are watching online, and it's real tough right now to be thankful because of something that's going on in your world, something that's going on in your life. 
You've experienced heartache. You've experienced disappointments. And I read a verse like this and say, wow, it's easy for Paul to preach this, but not what I'm going through, not what I'm experiencing. And the enemy is trying to rob your heart of thanksgiving. That word thanks or gratitude comes from the same root word as the word grace. What Paul is saying here is, as you go through this life, as you go through these things, yeah, they're going to be hard. They're going to be disappointing. They're not going to go well. And we are to respond still with a heart of thanks, a heart that is centered in God's grace. That makes all the difference. We're going to see in Scripture we're not to be thankful for everything, but in everything we experience because of God's grace alive in our life and in our story, we can still have a heart that is grateful. What does that look like? How do we continue with a heart full of God's grace? Well, as you're looking at this verse, don't let the enemy twist it. Don't let the enemy use it to beat you up and, and, and try to convince you, well, you need to be more thankful. You need to be more thankful about this and that. And That's not what the scripture's teaching. Look at it. As you look at this verse, it isn't saying everything should cause you to be thankful, but it is saying as you are in those things, you can still be thankful. There's a big difference. It's a difference in the prepositional phrase of being thankful in everything versus being thankful for everything. The scripture isn't saying be thankful for those things. It's saying while you're in those things, don't lose your heart of thanksgiving. Obviously, there are some things we shouldn't be thankful for. Evil on this earth, injustice, those are things we shouldn't be thankful for. And we'll all experience those things. But even as we're experiencing disappointments, as we've said, we can still, because of God's grace, being centered in that grace, knowing what God has done for us and what God continues to do for us, even though we don't deserve it, we can be thankful in Christ Jesus. So when we're in everything, let's make sure we find ways to give thanks. But here's the issue. The enemy loves to use the things of this life to rob you of the grace Garden your heart. He, he loves to show up and rob you of the joy of your salvation. Israel is a classic example. Israel was a people that lived there in Egypt for 400 years. The last part of those 400 years, they were enslaved because there was a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. Joseph, who's one of the sons of Israel, was sold by his brothers into slavery. He ended up being delivered over into Egypt, and over time, if you know the story, he was raised up to be second in command. He experienced great disappointment. He experienced great challenges, all kinds of issues. We're going to come back to his story in a minute. But fast forward 400 years later, and there was a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph, and he was abusing the nation, the people of God, Israel. And they would cry out to God, and they would ask God, to deliver them from all this injustice and all this evil. And God would show up on their behalf. As they would experience God's provision and God's blessing, they were thankful. They had a thanksgiving. They gave God thanks for their deliverance. And it wasn't much longer after that. As they were walking out in their blessing and all that God had done for them, it was in those moments that they became ungrateful. It was in those moments that while they were out in the wilderness, no longer in Egypt, but now heading towards a promised land, that they lost their heart of thanksgiving. Matter of fact, listen to what it says. It says, and all the congregation, all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried 
And the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. The whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in the wilderness? For God has brought us out into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey. Were it not better for us to return back to Egypt? They became ungrateful in the midst of their blessings. All because of their circumstances. All because of tough and difficult days. So how can we keep from going the way of Israel? How can we keep from surrendering our attitude of gratitude and start to complain and whine like Israel? Well, let me take you to another verse that gets twisted. Go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Romans 8, 28. The Apostle Paul is addressing this in the New Testament. He addresses the challenges of our twisted perspective. He gets us to realize that there will be things that happen in our life that are not fun, that are not rewarding, that are not grateful things to be thankful for. What do we do with those times and those things? He says, for we know this, that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and called according to his purpose. I heard that verse quoted many, many times. Many people will misquote this verse, even preachers, and here's what they'll say. They'll say, well, you need to be grateful for all things because those things are the will of God for your life, and you need, according to Romans 8, 28, you need to be thankful for those things. It's not what that verse is saying. That verse is saying not that all things that happen would be God's will, in other words, there are some things that are man's will. Some things that man wills for evil. Remember I told you about Joseph earlier? Joseph would experience that. Here he was, the favored child. Here he was with older brothers that were jealous of him. They got so mad at Joseph, they were going to kill him one day. God intervened in that. God didn't do that, but God intervened in that. They would end up selling him into slavery instead. Just be done with him. Just get him out of our lives. We don't want him to be around. We don't like our baby brother. Injustice. Cruelty. There's nothing worse than being betrayed by your own family. And some of you have experienced that. Some of you have gone through the heartache of family issues. Struggle. Joseph did. But it didn't rob him of an attitude of gratitude. Through God working in the midst of those evil things, he would end up, as I said earlier, he would end up in the land of Egypt for a purpose. He was favored of God because he walked in an attitude of gratitude, because he stayed holy in the Lord. He didn't get bitter at God. He didn't get bitter at life. He just kept living with an attitude of gratitude. Because of that favor in his life, he would be surrendered over to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's top leaders. It was a privilege to be the manager of his household, and he took that very seriously. You remember the story? One day, Potiphar's wife uh, came at him, tried to lure him in, uh, tried to seduce him. It would have been very easy for him to just cave like any other red-blooded young male. It would have been very easy for him to say, if I don't keep the boss's uh, wife happy, it could cost me my job, my place in society. It could be trouble for me, and he could have just gone there but he didn't he stayed loyal to his boss and loyal to his God and in all that in the midst of his integrity he was betrayed by Potiphar's wife lied about set up 
accused of trying to attack her, and he was thrown into prison. What would you do if you were Joseph? Would you get angry and say, God, this Christian thing doesn't work, this living for you doesn't work? God, if you love me, I wouldn't be in prison. God, I've tried to do everything right and nothing's going right for me. I've been sold into slavery. I don't get to live with my parents. I don't get to live at home. I'm in a foreign land and now I'm in prison. God, I'm done. Wouldn't we go there? Not Joseph. God would give him a vision, a vision that a drought was coming and that they were to save for this time of famine. And God would use him to save all of Egypt and frankly, his own people. Several years later, his brothers, assuming he was dead or a slave in some foreign land, come to Egypt because they have no food. They appear before this guy who is leading the ration giving to the people, not knowing it's their brother, Joseph. And when they get there, they find this man. They don't recognize him, but Joseph knows his brother's. And as Joseph would take that in, as Joseph would see his brothers, what would you do in that moment? How would you respond? Many would have lost their attitude of gratitude. They would have been bitter and they would have seen this as a chance to get even, a chance for revenge. But listen to what Joseph said. You know the story. He said this, as for you, not God, you, looking at his brothers, you meant this for evil against me. But listen to what he knew. He didn't have Romans 8, 28 like we do, but he had the principle in his heart. What you meant for evil in my life, what you brought against, God didn't do that. They did it to him, but he understood God would still use that together for good. That's what kept his attitude of gratitude, understanding the sovereignty of God and the lordship of God. And he said, all of this came together for a purpose, for a present result that many might live. If you look at Joseph's story, you can see chapter after chapter after chapter. You can see dark chapters. You can see difficult chapters. You can see betrayal. It makes for a great movie. But as you look at his story, there's something different that Joseph had that others don't. He understood that that story wasn't about him and his difficulties. That God was somehow going to work through all of these chapters so that other people might live. I would tell you, I don't know what is in your book, your story. I don't know what chapter you're in right now, but I know this. Whatever chapter it is, it can point people to Jesus or it can be a stumbling block from people seeing Jesus. It can be used for God's good that many might live or you can surrender and lose the attitude of gratitude and be a stumbling block for others that need to see Jesus in you. Ephesians chapter 5, turn over there. Ephesians 5, 20. Now let me show you a verse that's very difficult to see at first. It almost looks contrary to what we just studied in 1 Thessalonians 5. Take a look at what it says. Paul also now speaking to the believers at Ephesus said that you are to always give thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to our God and our Father. Now when we look at that verse, what jumps out to you? You wrestle with that because you say, whoa, whoa, I thought we were just supposed to give God thanks in the things, but not for all things. But now this says, I'm supposed to give God thanks for all things. What's up? Did Paul misspeak? 
Is this a contradiction? Well, let me help you with it. We're going to break through and look at the context. If you look at the grammatical structure, and if you look throughout all the scripture, you know this is not saying God wants you to be thankful for all things. You say, well, that's what it says, or does it? Let Let me illustrate through some examples. Take a look at the first slide up here on the screen. Same sentence, two different meanings. Depends on your focus. Eat your dinner. Aren't we ready for lunch yet? Anybody feeling the hunger pains coming? Eat your dinner. Put a period after eat. It says something totally different. Eat your dinner. Bad news for the Chick-fil-A cow. Can I get an amen from God's people who eat the God's chosen chicken? All right, next slide. Next example. Same sentence. I'm sorry, I love you. Versus a semicolon. I'm sorry, I love you. Same exact words, two totally different meanings. To the guys in the audience, learn your punctuation. Next slide. Man-eating chicken, throw a hyphen in there, a little itty-bitty dash called a hyphen. It means something totally different. A man-eating chicken, totally different. Next. Security guard. Or for all my chihuahua lovers out there, I saw one back there in the back. Security guard. Big difference, am I right? One last one to help the men one more time. A woman without her man is nothing. Can I get an amen? I need it loud. Come on now. Amen. A woman, colon, without her, comma, man is nothing. Now, guys that need brownie points, now you say, come on, give it to me now. And all the men said, All the men better say, amen. Get the difference? Context is everything. The same words are there, but learning where the emphasis is changes everything. So let's go back to Ephesians 5.20. Look at it. At first, we look at it and we say, well, the Bible says I'm supposed to give God thanks for everything. If that's true, then we need to thank God for child molestation. If that's true, we need to thank God for injustice. If that's true, we need to thank God for the latest mass shooting and innocent lives that have been taken. Obviously, that's not what Scripture is saying. Matter of fact, Jesus modeled it. You remember, Jesus walked into a temple one day, and there they were, a den of thieves. They were selling indulgences and offerings to cover up sins, people and profiting from the religious practices of the Jews. And when Jesus walked in, he didn't stop and bow and pray and say, Oh God, I'm so thankful for all that is going on in this place. No, he wasn't thankful. Matter of fact, he broke out a whip and he took care of God's business and he let them know that was wrong. He wasn't thankful in that moment, but he was righteous. So where is the emphasis? Take a look at it. It's not on all things. Take a look at the next slide. Here's here's what we should see. That we're always giving thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even in those difficult things. We're not thanking him for those things, but we are thanking God that I am in him and that God's grace is in me. That I'm not going through those things apart from God. I'm not going through those things in my own strength, but I, by the grace of God, am now in those things with the power of God, the grace of God, and the forgiveness of God. It changes everything. That's why Paul was able to 
celebrate God even when he was being beaten and thrown in prison. That's why Paul was able to celebrate God and be thankful, not for the lashes on his back, the broken bones, the shipwrecks. He was thankful that God was with him because this world is evil, it is unjust, but God is with me. Changes everything. Don't let the enemy rob you of your attitude of gratitude. But in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're in those things, stay anchored in the Lordship of Christ. How do I do that? How do you stay anchored in the Lordship of Christ in those things? Well, I've taught you that as you're studying scriptures, you're looking at it, you have to look at context. You have to look at the grammatical, the linguistics, if you will. Uh, so let's go back and look at some scriptures before. Before he ever said to be thankful in Christ in these things, go back to verse 15. He teaches us how to do that. Three things I want you to see very quickly. Number one, look at verse 15. He said, so then be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. I would say to you, principle number one, if you're going to live a life of thanksgiving in the Lordship of Christ, you need to walk wisely and with purpose. Making the most of your days and walking with purpose. Walking with a desire to honor God and to please Him. Not to live unwisely, not to live like everybody else wants to live, not how your flesh wants to live. But be wise. can't tell you over the years how many people have sat in my office and blamed God and been down on life and all discouraged because they got all these issues and and then as we look at their life choices it's obvious why they're dealing with what they're dealing with they've walked unwisely not everybody but oftentimes our own lack of gratitude is because of the things we've planted in our own life we walk unwisely and we wonder why we get what we get God has given you wisdom God has given you his word a lamp to your path if you'll simply trust it, if you'll simply follow it, look at Joseph. Joseph had to stay linked up to God's will and God's ways. He didn't cave in to how he wanted to live or somebody else wanted him to live. He did what was righteous and he could sleep at night. Didn't mean life went easy. Didn't mean life went exactly the way he wanted in that moment. But he did experience the favor of God because he walked wisely. How did he walk wisely? Look at verse 17. The second principle is this that you know and live the will of God. It goes on in verse 17, it says, Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How many times are we going to keep ignoring the will of God, knowing what God's will says, doing it like we think we want to do it, being bought into the current culture and saying, well, this is what is trendy, this is what is popular, so I'm going to live like my peers even in contradiction to God's will, you will get burned every single time. You will lose your attitude of gratitude because you find yourself in dark things. Well, walk wisely. No one live the will of God. But you cannot do that in your own strength. Look at verse 18. Before we get into the principle he taught about being thankful in all things in the Lord Jesus Christ, you get to verse 18. He says, so don't get drunk with wine, in which that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So be filled with the Spirit. He was addressing what they did in their day, similar to ours. 
throughout human history, you either turn to God in difficult times or you turn to something else. Uh, they weren't any different than us. They just had different things. Uh, today, it's a pill or a bottle or this or that. It's the latest trend drug. It's anything to medicate ourselves from our pain. But they would do the same thing. They would turn to their wine of their day, the drink of their day. And th things were tough. And so what they would do is they would just get drunk. They'd just get filled with wine and try to forget all their problems and all their woes. Only to wake up the next day and figure out they had bigger problems and bigger issues than the day before. We can respond by the God who lives in us, or we can put something else in us instead. You know, Jesus didn't die just so you could go to heaven and miss hell. That's true. We do have eternal life in Christ, and when we die, not because we have been good, not because we have been great, but because his grace is greater than all of our sin, we will spend eternity in his presence. We will miss hell. But Jesus said, I came also that you might have abundant life, so that you can miss a living hell and there are too many people experiencing hell on earth today because they aren't living according to the will of God they aren't walking wisely and they're doing it in their own strength and we get burned every single time instead Paul says if you're going to do this if you're going to have an attitude of gratitude it has to come from being filled with the Holy Spirit some of us are filled with bitterness some of us are filled with anger some of us have been filled with the consequences of rejection. Some of us, instead of responding like Joseph, respond like most, and we've let the wrong thing in our hearts. That's why we don't have the attitude of gratitude. That's how we lose a spirit of thanksgiving. So Jesus prayed for you in John chapter 17 and verse 13. He prayed to the Father. One of the last prayers we have apart from what he prayed on the cross, and it says this, praying to the Heavenly Father, he says, but now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in them. Jesus wants you to be full of joy. He wants you to be full of thanksgiving. And that happens as the Holy Spirit fills you and makes you gentle and kind and patient and full of thanksgiving. The enemy wants to steal that joy. And the way he does that is he gets you to put other things inside instead of plugging into the one the Holy One who lives in you. So I can't do those things. I can't be thankful for some things. I wasn't real thankful yesterday, just to be real honest. Never lost in West in Virginia ever. It happens this year, so thankful. That's a silly thing. That's just football. What about bigger things? What about a doctor's report? What about a lost job? What about somebody who unfriended you? What about those that are being cruel at school? What about a one that turned their back on you or a family member that betrayed you like Joseph? The only way you can do that, the only way you can walk wisely and walk in the center of God's will is to tap into the Holy Spirit that fills you. And so as we close, you don't have to turn here. You can if you want. I give you Paul's teachings to the believers at Colossians. I want you to listen in to how much he drove this point home. You may think this is just a sermon for the month of November for Thanksgiving season. No, this is for all of life. 
Because Paul wrote the Colossians, and he started off in Colossians 1.3, and he says this, I give thanks to God. There he is, the heart of thanksgiving. I give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm always praying for you. He was talking about his brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm thankful to God, and I'm thankful for you. He goes on in chapter 2, again, talking about thanksgiving. And he says, therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. You've been firmly rooted, and now you're being built up in Christ, establishing your faith, just as you were instructed, and now you're overflowing, listen to what he said, and now you're overflowing in this grace with a heart of gratitude. There it is. He's constantly talking about a life of thanksgiving. He goes on in the next chapter, chapter 3, verse 17, and he says, so Colossians, whatever you do, in word or in deed, what you say or what you do in your life, Whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him. In all your speech, in all your living, do it for the Lord Jesus and do it in a spirit of thanksgiving. And in case they haven't figured it all out by the time he ends up writing or wrapping up the letter, he finishes in Colossians 4 verse 2, so therefore devote yourselves to prayer. Keep an alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. The whole book, over and over and over again, he has to remind him that it's so easy to be ungrateful. But he said, live with an attitude of thanksgiving. Psalmist said this, this is the day the Lord has made. This is the day. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's Psalm 118, verse 24. That word glad in it means to flourish with an inner triumph. It's not just being happy, happy, happy. There are unhappy things that happen, but I can still have an inner strength. I can still have an inner joy because I have triumph over sin through Christ, because I have victory in Jesus. Because he's made me to be more than a conqueror. That means I cannot be conquered no matter what the circumstance is. That's why I can be glad in it. Because in Christ Jesus, I have everything. Or you can be in your circumstances. Let's pray about it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. God loves you enough to get you out of church early today. Not to give you some extra time to play, but to practice what we just preached. To deal with these things. To deal with your attitude. So are you copping an attitude today or are you living in an attitude of gratitude? Are you living in your circumstances today or are you living in triumph in Christ today? There's a big difference. Paul, Joseph, others found joy in unhappy circumstances because they had an inner victory. Because of what was on the inside, not what was on the outside. Have you lost the attitude of gratitude? Do you find yourself grumpy? Find yourself discouraged? Say, yeah, if you knew what was going on in my life, you would be too. Well, I know what was going on in Paul's life. I know what was going on in Joseph's life. I also have seen seasons in my life where there were crazy, difficult things. God showed up stronger and brighter than ever before. He'll do that for you if you let him. Or you can let the circumstances be the boss. Right now, maybe you need to cry out to the Lord and say, God, forgive me for my attitude. God, I don't want 
to be robbed of my joy because of my circumstances. I want to be filled with your spirit. Ask God to fill you. Maybe you can't pray that prayer because you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus. You've not been saved from your sin. You can't have that thanksgiving because you've never experienced his grace. That's where thanks comes from. It's a response to God's grace. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he did. It's a gift that he gives to us, but you've got to receive it. You never receive God's grace. Today, I hope you'll come to one of our staff and say, I need to receive Jesus. I need his grace. You come. But if you know his grace, and you don't have an attitude of gratitude right now, get honest with God about it. He already knows about it. Just confess it. Ask God to change it. Make a commitment to walk wisely and with purpose. Make a commitment to know his will and to live his will. Make a commitment and say, God, right now, fill me with your spirit. Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice and follow me. How do you need to follow the Lord right now? What do you need to do to honor God? Whatever it is, I want to pray over you. We'll stand and as Alex sings, I hope, I hope you'll respond with a heart of thanksgiving. God, that is our prayer. That today you would receive all glory, honor, and praise. God, where attitudes need to change, God, change it. God, where those are centered in your will, God, keep us there. But in these moments, may we honor your voice, but we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.